Alright everybody, welcome back. Another episode here of the Prepared Mindset Podcast. As always, I'm your host Austin and going to get into a really heavy discussion this week. Uh, something that if you are like me and you know in the last couple of weeks here you've gone to see the film uh, Sound of Freedom starring Jim Caviezel in theaters, uh, the story depicting Tim Ballard and uh, his efforts towards uh, rescuing uh, a pair of small children, a brother and a sister, right? But but to a larger point, uh, highlighting and bringing, I guess, bringing additional attention to the issue of human trafficking, something that, you know, uh, I think all of us are acutely aware of. We, we know that it exists. It's something that we don't like to talk about um, because it's, it's dark. It's evil. The the statistics, the numbers, the stories behind all of it are just some of the most heinous shit that, you know, we can, we can ever encounter. Right. Uh, but it's something that we need to pay attention to. We need to talk about it. We need to do more to expose it, to combat it, to defeat it in every way possible. So my guest this week, uh, is Kara Smith. Uh, she runs her own company now, Kara Smith Consulting, uh, where she does private uh, intelligence investigations, uh, teen social media risk assessments, and and, and more. Um, she comes from the Air Force and, and an intelligence background and has worked with uh, a couple different, I believe, a couple different organizations in the past, specifically in the realm of combating human trafficking. Um, so if you've seen the movie and you felt you know inspired to to take up uh, the battle here, then that's, you know, that's kind of what I hope this episode can do is, is draw more attention and more knowledge on the issues. Uh, we might be surprised, you know, I, I connected with, with Kara over the phone and even just in a brief conversation, she was able to drop some real, um, upsetting, I'll say facts on me, uh, about things that we just don't realize, you know, and, and, and that's part of the issue too, is you don't, you don't know what you don't know, but, this blissful ignorance on the issue doesn't make things any better. Um, you know, and to make things even worse, you have people on the internet who are, uh, sort of directing this outrage, uh, about the film pointing out things like, Oh, there's embellishments on the story. That's not really what, you know, how it went. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. It's a movie. Just like there were some creative liberties taken with the movie 13 hours and every other movie that is based around a historical events, things that actually happen. You're not telling a fictional story about some sad, sadistic shit. You're telling a factual story, but it is a movie. So yes, things are abbreviated. Things are shortened to tell a story about something that took months and months and months to accomplish and you're cramming that all into like two hours, two and a half hours. Like, let's be, let's be honest with ourselves here. Yes. There's going to be some things that you have to adapt just like in black Hawk down, you know, uh, the main character in that movie didn't do all of that shit. It was actually like four or five different people that did a lot of the things that he, that, that Josh Hartnett's character did, but I digress. Um, so, uh, it's just, it's very upsetting. You see people that, that want to denounce it purely. I got actually, and people laugh because I still use Facebook on my personal account, my personal life and things, and got into a fight with somebody in the comments section of a post because, uh, someone should point out that you, it, you shouldn't go see the movie because what's being done about this, nothing. People see the movie and they're doing nothing. And the movie studio is doing nothing. And the actors are doing nothing. Nothing's being done. Nothing's changing. So don't go see the movie. And, um, that's the kind of, uh, willful ignorance to the issue that we need to erase. Like that, that can't be the way you look at this. Oh, um, because you personally 
this this lady, this individual, doesn't see the things that are being done, that must mean that nothing is, in fact, being done. And it could not be further from the truth, but it does not mean that enough is being done. Uh, and we're going to get into all of that. That movie, you guys, it it it, it shook me. Um, you know, I was very upset when I left that film. If you guys have, haven't had the uh, opportunity to see it yet, it's it's very well done. It was not at all... Uh, you know, what I was expecting. I was honestly expecting more of an action flick with the undertone of, com- of combating human trafficking, but um, not, a, not at all uh, what it is. Uh, a very powerful message. And then even at the ending credits, and they even put a little timer in the corner, you know, like many of us who watch the Marvel movies, uh, you wait and you wait and you wait through the credits and you hope for a cutscene. This actually puts a message in the bottom corner with a countdown saying a special message from the actor is coming. And it's Jim Caviezel talking about making the movie and the importance of being a storyteller and and getting the story out and increasing awareness, but also sharing with the audience that the movie was actually made five years ago. So it came out 4th of July weekend, 2023, or not really weekend, 4th of July. So Tuesday, July 4th, 2023 is when the movie came out. The movie was ready five years ago. And there were issues, there were problems put in place, they were not able to release the movie for so many different reasons. And if you look at Hollywood and the weird shit that has come out of Hollywood, um, it leads you to wonder why. Why such evil can't be spoken about by those people. And maybe some of the things that you hear, some of the things that you allude to and believe um, may be true. So um, really going to be a a very heavy and informative and... uh, important conversation today with Kara. Uh, before I get to Kara, though, I uh, have to say thank you to our supporters here, guys. If you're looking to support the podcast, honestly, uh, be a patron. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash prepared mindsets pod or prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. Uh, check out our Patreon page. If you're a patron, you guys, uh, we just hooked up all of our patrons with some free gifts, uh, or if if they if they were not able to get the gifts, you know, discount codes um, for 100 concepts, which is pretty sweet. We try to say thank you to our uh, to our patrons who support us by supporting them right back, hook them up with good gear, uh, as well as you know, exclusive content, exclusive episodes. Some of it is in the same vein and the same scope of what we do here on the podcast. Um, but a lot of it isn't. There's an exclusive series that uh, my brother and I are working on on there on bourbon. You know, uh, it seems like whiskey and bourbon and stuff is kind of synonymous uh, with the 2A community. A lot of people in the 2A community sit down after the range day, they have some whiskey and they have a cigar. Or, you know, they also are uh, hobbyists, enthusiasts, if you will, of uh, of good quality uh, booze, you know, so stuff like that, videos on there, long form videos, 20 minutes plus stuff like that. We have blogs, things, uh, you know, if you're just looking for a little bit extra information, you want, uh, some input on what we're going to cover here on the pod or things like that, head on over to the Patreon and check that out. The support goes miles and miles to help us do more of the things that we want to do. But in addition to that, I uh, need to say thank you to our supporting sponsors. Guys, we have a couple companies that we work with here that do some outstanding stuff, and they really help support the team, not just me, but help support the team in what we're doing um, and 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 really take good care of us here. So thank you to Midwest Gunworks. Guys, head on to MidwestGunworks.com. They set up the discount code Prepared Mindset. So that's going to save you 5% off your order when you go to check out the website. And they have a ton of stuff in stock there. So whether you're looking for gunsmithing tools, if you're somebody like me, 
you want to be able to uh, work on your own handguns, work on your own rifles, you've probably figured out by now that the standard craftsman mechanic set really is not, unfortunately, enough to get a lot of it done. They have all the gunsmithing tools and more, honestly, than, than that you'll need to assemble your own AR, do general maintenance and work on things like your Glock. Uh, speaking of Glock, they have Glocks and Glock accessories in stock. Uh, if you're working on an AR, barrels, bolt carriers, furniture, optics and red dots and flashlights and more, all kinds of great stuff. Again, MidwestGunWorks.com. Discount code is PREPAREDMINDSET, all one word, for 5% off. Thank you as well to HRT Tactical Gear. Guys, HRT is located in Ohio, state down south here from us up in Michigan, and they are our newest supporter. And guys, I have been messing with the gear. I spent all uh, I spent a good portion of last weekend out training with the fellows, working on some CQB stuff uh, in a buddy's uh, barn that we were able to convert into a CQB space and was rocking their LBAC uh, load-bearing adaptive carrier. Uh, for the whole session, several hours and no problems. Completely loaded up, radio, mags, uh, full placard, back panel, no problems at all. Very comfortable, high quality. Guys, no problems with the stitching. Uh, we have one of the guys on our team, Randy, who runs one of their A-Track carriers. And then Trevor now has actually their uh, rack carrier, which is the one you guys see John Lovell of Warrior Poet Society advertise all the time and talk about being his favorite carrier. Guys, they have tons of options. Honestly, really, really just happy to be able to have the support of a company that's making gear designed specifically for end users and quality gear at that. Head on over to hrttacticalgear.com. Check out all the plate carriers, back panels, placards, and belts that they have available and pick up some new gear for yourself. Also, huge shout out, again, to 100 Concepts. Guys, they're getting ready to do it again they are getting ready to drop another i can only imagine the impact this product's going to have it's probably going to make some pretty decent waves on the internet with their scope cap pro they are getting ready to unveil that in approximately a month um, i've been playing with one of the prototypes for a couple months now and if you were a patreon patron you got the hookup uh, as long as we had your size on an LPVO, the Patreon patrons are getting hooked up with a Scope Cap Pro. In addition to that, they have all kinds of other great products like their standard Scope Caps and Ocular Caps, the Light Caps, which was their flagship product that really kind of launched these guys into the spotlight and kind of made everybody stop and say, who the hell is 100 Concepts? Guys, head to 100concepts.com, check out all the gear, pick up some hex caps for your red dots, or maybe you're piggybacking something or an offset on your rifle. You can grab the, the light caps, you can grab the scope caps in addition to that, the pack scrim, the helmet scrim, all kinds of really good stuff, and all at a price point that you guys can really afford to make sure that every one of your blasters is tricked out, every one of your flashlights is covered with their caps. 100concepts.com, their motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. Last, but I will say certainly not least, our friends over at LARP Labs. Guys, if you're painting your rifle, check out what LARP Labs has to offer. If you're worried about your light, I mean, in some of these, I get it, some of these lights, cloud defensive, mod light, uh, you know, they're getting up, even Surefire, right? $300 plus, $500, you got to buy controls and stuff, and you're, you know, understandably, you're a little bit apprehensive about just throwing some spray paint on there. I get it. That's where LARP Labs comes in. You can head on over to LARPLabs.com 
John set up discount code prepared mindset again, all one word for 10% off to go check out their vinyl wraps that they have made. This is 3M vinyl. This stuff is super durable. It's for competitive rock crawlers is what they use it for outside of this application. Got a three year outdoor rated shelf life. It doesn't peel. You're not going to get like moisture bubbles or like a sticky residue around the edges as it contracts or anything. It's not how it works. It's not a sticker. These are great, great alternatives to painting things like optics, lasers, PVS-14s, or hey, if you're in a state like Michigan, where once we get into spring and fall and the weather fluctuates back and forth very rapidly between, you know, winter whites and, you know, real dark uh, greens and, and grays and things like that, you can just pull off the vinyl and throw a new one on. Very affordable, very easy to install. They have brand new packaging and everything that's going to make it even easier to understand the instructions on how to install. Again, LARPLabs.com, discount code PREPAREDMINDSET is going to save you 10% off. Head on over, grab some for you and your crew today. But, all right, guys, like I said, guest this week is Kara. We get into probably, uh, I can only, you know, imagine the, the depth to which we take this conversation and the things we'll get into. But, again, certainly something that I feel compelled to bring to you, uh, you know, my audience, um, as it's just it's something that moved me it's something that that shook me at my core and i get that this platform isn't huge you know i i do i understand um well we've made some tremendous strides as a podcast i mean this is just a podcast and it's one podcast out there in a sea of um other 2a podcasts you know but there are plenty of you guys that listen and there's plenty of you guys that subscribe. So I want to do my part. The team here wants to do their part to bring this message out into the open. Um, and that's why we, we connected with Kara and super thrilled to be able to have someone with her knowledge level and her expertise, uh, you know, both on the civilian side and the military side, uh, be able to come on and speak with me to, it's a level that uh, that we're going to have here on on this issue. So uh, with that, I am going to get us on over to my discussion with Kara Smith. Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for for jumping on and joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, honestly, I I've been searching. Um, probably uh, probably a month uh since i saw it on a, and i know you you may be in your line of work sick of hearing this but uh when i saw sound of freedom <laughs> that movie with jim caviezel right um i was completely uh i guess shocked not in the way that like i didn't know the human trafficking was a problem uh but it it just hit different you know when there's like a visual stimulus that goes with it um so i and actually, before we connect, I've been looking for a couple of weeks trying to connect with somebody in the space who, someone like yourself, <laughs> who's able to speak on the on the subject from an, uh, an educated standpoint. And uh, I'm uh, very fortunate uh, to be able to grab some of your time. I know you're busy uh, to talk about this, but um, let's just dive right in. Uh, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and just talk about a little bit of your history and kind of what you've done? Absolutely. So, Kara uh, Smith. Um, I am a independent consultant right now, but my background started in the military. I was an intelligence analyst in the United States Air Force for six and a half years. And so I deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan doing intelligence targeting terrorists. Um, once I got out of the military, I was working at the NSA for a little bit and then moved over to the FBI doing counterterrorism watch listing. And wow. so my background is, you know, alphabet soup, intelligence, and 
hunting terrorists, if you might want to put it that way. Uh, and the military gave me just the most amazing opportunity to learn a skill set. And uh, I, you know, I had some kids, I took two years off. And uh, then I started working for a nonprofit that combats human trafficking. And um, for five and a half years, I was running around with law enforcement and survivors and equipping training and advising them how to combat human trafficking in a proactive manner using the intelligence that was out there. And so I had the unique opportunity to be on the front lines of the fight against human trafficking for several years. And currently I'm still consulting with um, organizations and law enforcement officers and different things in the field. So I continue to stay current, uh, but that's kind of what I did and uh, what I do now. And it gives me this unique aspect on to be able to speak to Sounds of Freedom and um, what's going on there. And so uh, fire away. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it, it's like I said, it's a, it's a subject I think that everybody's aware of, right? We, But it's it just one of those things that kind of gets, unfortunately, and it sounds terrible, but it just gets filed away. You know, and we don't think about it. We don't want to think about it because it's, it's awful. <clears throat> um, it's when you start thinking about it and you, like, like I said, in the film, it, it, it was that visual stimulus that kind of gets the gears moving and you see how bad, you know, things really are. So in terms of where we see human trafficking, this is something we talked about, uh, on the phone when we connected, um, where do, where do we see that most in the world? Because I think the overwhelming assumption is it's, it's a third world issue. It's, you know, Middle East. And I mean, everyone, I think everyone just thinks that the worst things happen over there. You know, nothing bad happens yeah. here in the U S. Yeah. So, you know, regarding the film, it gave the opportunity to speak about human trafficking and what it showed is a form of human trafficking that does take place, but uh, human trafficking is a very broad concept. There are many different types of human trafficking. What you would have seen on that film would have been child sex trafficking in an overseas way of younger minors, right? Mm -hmm. So there's even multiple aspects of child sex trafficking that you can get into. But as far as the scope of the problem, it is uh, billions of dollars a year all throughout the world. It ranges from labor trafficking to sex trafficking to uh, arranged marriage to organ trafficking to debt bondage. And all of those have their different aspects of what they entail. Now, that being said, they all have a couple of things in common, every single one of them. And that is that a person is being used as a commodity to either be sold or used for labor. And that is valuable to a human trafficker because they get to reuse their product over and over again to make some sort of profit. Now, mm -hmm. these people the large majority of these people, whether it be in labor or sex trafficking or arranged marriages or whatever it may be, they have vulnerabilities that can be exploited. So 
whether it's a overseas situation and they're being brought to another country to work and they don't speak the language and they need the money. Maybe they're refugees. Maybe they're fleeing their country for some reason for a better life. Or perhaps that is just the only way that they can survive and feed themselves. We could go straight into the aspect of the cobalt mines in the Congo where every single electronic device that you touch is holding precious minerals that are mined out of slave labor. You want to go into that? Uh, Siddharth Kara just had a book come out that you should go ahead and read and it will blow your mind, right? So everything we do, everything we see somehow is touched by human trafficking and it is very much a hidden crime. It's hidden in plain sight. And whether it be, um, gosh, anything that is made in China, a majority of things that are made in Mexico or Vietnam, they've touched some kind of child trafficking, right? My God. And then when you look at certain aspects, and I'm going to talk more about trafficking that comes from overseas, there are people that are working in restaurants here in the United States that are being trafficked. There are people here that are working the crops and the farms. That's a majority of the trafficking that you see is labor trafficking. It's very hard to detect because these people are just trying to survive. And you cannot prosecute human trafficking unless you have a victim that's willing to testify. So the scope of trafficking is broad. It's big. It's right up there with guns and drugs, except you can resell your product over and over and over again. When it comes to being able to understand and see it and be effective in fighting human trafficking yourself as an individual, you have to know where you can make a difference. And so here in the United States, the way that you can make a difference is to avoid having anybody you care about and that you love being trafficked themselves. So you need to look at the aspect and understand what domestic sex trafficking looks like in the United States, because that is something that is the closest kind of trafficking that might actually plague your own children and your own family. Yeah. So when you you look at that and you want to go into that kind of realm that goes out into like another array of information. So I think I hope that kind of, it, we could go yeah. in so many directions. There's, so I just wanted yeah. to give you a menu of where you wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot there, you know, and, and it's, it, it, it immediately you start pointing stuff out, right. It hopefully, I mean, it does to me, but hopefully pre, for people listening, it, it jars thoughts. You know, you meant you mentioned like uh, like debt bondage, uh, human trafficking, and and things like. To me, now, some background on me is uh, my 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 mother's side of the family all immigrated from Mexico uh, legally. You know, came up uh, and would actually move between like Minnesota and Michigan, and then down south in Texas and stuff as fruit pickers and and things like that. Um, but that's an issue that we're still. And people don't associate human trafficking with it. Everyone got jumped straight to the border wall or open the borders. Everyone gets political with it. And it's almost it's almost like a like a, a, a gigantic distraction away from probably one of the more central issues. And, you know? oh, I would love to I would love to expand on that. So what we see in the news and it doesn't matter what political side you're talking about or which news outlet you're talking about, they like to use the issue 
you know, as a talking point to get themselves votes or get themselves favor. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's certain people out there that do highlight the southern border and they say trafficking is, you know, rampant and nonstop. Right. And it's yeah. like, uh, actually, no, that's considered smuggling. And the people who aren't coming over here illegally are paying, paying to come across the border, usually to somebody associated with the cartel. And then when they get across the border and the cartel's gotten really good at it in the last couple of years, they're holding them on a debt bondage. And if they're not holding them on a debt bondage, they end up you know, getting exploited in some other way by somebody here in the United States that sees that they're vulnerable, that sees that they don't have paperwork, that threatens them and holds that over their head. So the people coming across the border, the majority, they're coming here for a better life. They're Mm -hmm. trying to escape something. They see America as the land of opportunity. And so they're coming here, they're giving up everything they have and they're risking everything. And in the end, they're so likely to be exploited in some way, shape, or form. And so it's really frustrating when people use the trafficking over the border, child, children being trafficked. Yes, there are children that are being brought over the border, being given, you know, protections. But then whenever and wherever they're put, they still have a debt bondage over their head. And then they start working in factories here in the United States. And most recently, there's been you know, multiple reports coming out, some actually really great articles where investigative reporters for over a year have been finding these teens that have been coming up from South America in Mexico, and they've been working in meat factories at night and then going to school during the day. Oh, my God. So that they can go ahead and send money back to their families. And that was the model of it. And there are a lot of them that are going through that right now. And so people who come through and then legally are protected, um, whether they be minors or not, or if they come through even on legal visas, like like your family that came through, they still can be so deeply exploited, even by you know American farmers, because American farmers know the system. They know how to hide it. They know how to manipulate these people. They know how to you know, just absolutely burn them out, work them seven days a week, 16 hours a day and that, and not pay them properly either. Yet they're holding a legal visa, a work visa that that farmer paid for. And so then that farmer can hold it over their head. And that is a form of human trafficking. And so yeah. that's something that's really common. Yeah. And, and, and even the, the bit as well about, you know, thinking about the electronic devices we all touch. And again, everybody wants to go straight to you know, China bad and, you know, sure people, they get political and again, they rope the president into that and and everything. And it's almost like there's a lot of, there's a lot of clouding, you know, that goes, that goes with it. And, and yes, there's uh, like economic ramifications, right? There's political implications. Like I get it. I'm not saying that those to some degree are important, but it does make it a lot harder to see, you know, your, to your point, right? Okay. Where are they getting those, um, precious minerals, right? Like you mentioned the Congo and then the labor and things in China and everyone's like, everyone's against it when it's convenient to, you know, you put a little banner around your Facebook photo and, you know, I stand with fill in the blank, whatever. And, but then we don't do anything about it. Um, and it's, it, it, it's a real problem. I don't understand how do we address this? I mean, maybe let's, let's 
jump to like law enforcement. You know, we're talking about how law enforcement is addressing these issues, whether it's the border or things like that, or any of the borders really here in, in the United States. Have we gotten better at preventing this? I mean, realistically, has it gotten better? Yeah. So um, to address the law enforcement side of it, specifically here in the United States, we have to address like what law enforcement on a majority goes after because it's it's one of the larger problems that law enforcement's able to see and work with, and that's the domestic sex trafficking industry. Mm-hmm. And the domestic sex trafficking industry in the United States is um, predominantly taking place against women at like a 96%. And it's done on the majority of a model of a prostitution model. And Mm -hmm. so what traffickers do is they manipulate and break down whether it's teen or, you know, early 20s girls, and they end up grooming them and then pushing them into forced commercial sex work. And so once they go ahead and they go out there and they're being sold on the front facing internet, the traffickers take all of the money um, or some of the money that they're making from the sex acts that they're providing. And the reason why they do that is because there's a demand for men to purchase prostitutes um, or sex workers, depending Mm -hmm. on how you want to use the vernacular. And so the traffickers know it's a winning business model. They can advertise them right next to actual willing sex workers that are completely independent and they can undercut the other sex workers and then just make those girls take more appointments and dates throughout the day. And they mm-hmm. can easily make a hundred thousand dollars off of one girl in a year, oh my God. Uh, just straight cash business. And so these traffickers, they they work that and they do that. And so there's this huge problem like, well, has law enforcement been able to recognize this issue? Well, it doesn't help when only 17% of law enforcement officers in the United States have ever been trained on any kind of human trafficking awareness. And that's covering domestic 17? sex trafficking. 17%. That is it because God. it's not a requirement. And there's no money going towards it either. I mean- We've got the DEA to regulate drugs. We got the right. ATF to regulate guns. Who's fighting human trafficking at scale? Uh, I... There is no <laughs> government agency dedicated to combating human trafficking. And so working uh, with the nonprofit that I did is what you see is that, yes, there are federal agencies that work human trafficking. FBI does um, a lot of the internet crimes against children work, which is related that to human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And they'll do trafficking cases on minors. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security, Homeland Security Investigations, they will also do federal work and prosecutions against human trafficking. But they have so many other things that they have to work and do as well. And so you only have like one or two dedicated agents in like major metropolitan areas that will be going after um, that kind of work. And so it falls on the state and local law enforcement agencies and the vice units to recognize what is going on and to fight it. And so then you have to lean back onto the laws. What are the laws of the state? I live in New Mexico. I could go traffic somebody tomorrow and go to jail for like two to four years and that's it. But if I go to Texas, I'm gone for like life. Right. Yeah. So there's 
big jurisdictional discrepancies on well, I assume these people these people learn that stuff too so they know avoid texas come through you know and i had heard it i guess it's somewhat related because we're talking about the border and stuff mm-hmm. I had another podcast with john norris who's a uh, former um game warden and talking about again combating cartels and they would actually get in fights with other government agencies over who they could and couldn't arrest and they would deport them back over the border and they'd be back in like two months or you know a year or something and it, it the the bureaucratic process kind of made it really difficult to actually deal with these people that are conducting these illegal activities Exactly. I actually spoke to a state law enforcement officer in a state that's a sanctuary state the other day. And he's like, I got this information and he has information on at least 60 people being trafficked. And I'm not going to tell you what manner or where it's at because it's an ongoing investigation. And Mm -hmm. I'm all like, well, go get the labor roles from the state for that specific location and see how many they're supposed to have, see how many licenses and things. And he's like, they're not going to give it to me. I'm a HSI liaison. It just, it's a sanctuary state. They could tell me to go to hell. And it's like, and there's 60 people, 60 people who right now are being forced to do stuff that are being treated like complete and other dirt living in like squalor, having to do Mm -hmm. things. And they're not from this country, these people. And you can't even do anything about it because of the state laws of where it's at right so it's something that we do see all the time and it's an absolute mess and then then the big thing comes in is well how do we fight this and a lot of the attention uh 80 to 90 percent of the attention from the government is focusing on survivors that's great good we do need to take care of the survivors we need to listen to them we need to make sure that they're taken care of. We make we need their input. We need their knowledge. I wouldn't be who I am today without talking to survivors about almost everything that I learned and did because they not only confirmed stuff, but they taught me things too. But why not put the money behind being proactive? Because if you don't have a human trafficker, you don't have to have a survivor to take care of at the end and put the money there. So- going after the root cause of the problem, whether it be the demand, whether it be the trafficker, then downstream, you wouldn't have to take care as many survivors. And so there's this constant struggle for government money, government attention, laws, political polls, and all these different things that are a huge roadblock. And even just getting law enforcement, the training that they need. Have they gotten better? Absolutely. They've gotten a lot better. I would say, especially within the last five and a half years I've worked it. But when you talk to people who've been in it for 10 or 15 years, there's there's been some really great change. And that comes with technology. That comes with, you know, being able to speak to survivors and bring them in. That comes with people with certain expertise like myself that have found easier ways that that public-private partnership that takes place. Everybody needs to come together and play nicely in the sandbox, whether it be the government, whether it be law enforcement, whether it be NGOs. Without the communication and the collaboration of education and awareness and prevention to proactive targeting of the actual traffickers to 
the restoration and support to the victims, you have to do it all within a 360 view or it's never going to get better. Well, and 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 we've certainly had other guests on this podcast that they're in the law enforcement space and something that comes up all the time, obviously, is the the growing concept or idea, you know, defund the police because everyone jumps to police brutality and you don't need they don't need training for combatives and things like that because that's the problem. But these I don't want to say ancillary concerns, but these things that people don't see, they don't think about, okay, training covers a whole hell of a lot. You know, yes, your basic HR training, that everybody, you know, dreads and things like that, but also things like what you're talking about, classroom time, uh, you know, how to, I assume, right, how to spot this kind of activity. Um, and as it continues to grow, I know one of the things that you saw or that I saw on your site is that the like teen social media and, and social media in general, because of the obviously almost unlimited reach it has thanks to technology, you know, those are, that's an additional consideration. Now it's not like it was 30 years ago where, you know, pre MySpace and everything, uh, where people were basically communicating by 16 character text messages. It's, it's grown and expanded at a rate that we can't control. And now it's something that I think a lot of agencies to your, you think you made a comment earlier, right? Have like dedicated teams and departments specifically for uh cyber crime. They do. And, you know, there are human trafficking task force that are federally funded throughout the United States. And uh, some of them are doing better than others because it's really hard to get law enforcement agencies to work together. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't like to play together. They don't like to work together. But the task force um, model is amazing for law enforcement. One place that's been doing it really well for the last several years is um, in Houston, the Human Trafficking Rescue Alliance. And Houston's huge and Texas in itself and the population and the interstates and all of that make Houston a huge hotbed for human trafficking activity, including like the gang involvement that takes place there. But what they've done within the task force that's federally funded is the Houston PD is the, the lead, but then every sheriff's office, every federal agency, you're talking like 55 different agencies including nonprofits, they all work together and they all help each other, right? So, you know, next week they go to this jurisdiction and they send their liaisons and they make it work. It's very much the same as how we've fought terrorism mm -hmm. with the joint, uh, the JTTF throughout the country, which took a, pres a presidential act. It took the Patriot Act for JTTF to come together and work, right? Mm-hmm and do it in a certain way, but it was extremely effective. And that's how these task forces are starting to work, but they don't have that overbearing federal, you have to in this way, in this manner over their head. Um, but some of them are coming together. Some of them are getting better. Um, some of them are not, some of them, you know, they can, they fight, they don't want to work together. If somebody wants credit, or whatever it is, somebody doesn't yeah. want to put in for the training, or they might not a leader, a sergeant or a lieutenant that's, you know, good at writing grants. So like, it's, it's always an uphill battle to get funding and training for law enforcement in the right way. Um, and, you know, there's not a requirement for it. And no, the anti-law enforcement movement does not help in any way, shape or form. No. They deserve 
well, the law enforcement community not only deserve all the recognition and support we have, but they also deserve a complete rebuild of their training and how they do it. It should be like a four-year college. It should be like, you should be walking out of there with a bachelor's in legal studies and psychology before you ever hit the streets, right? You should be training yeah. in certain ways and human trafficking should be one of the requirements on understanding and recognizing and how to deal with it because it's very different than being a, nar a narcotics officer. Narcotics officers can go in there, break down the door, scoop up the evidence, put the guy in handcuffs. A human trafficking investigator has to go in there and their evidence is this broken girl who has been raped, who has been, you know, isolated, manipulated. She might be extremely addicted to narcotics at the time. And you can't go in there and throat punch a girl and take her as your evidence. That's not how that right. works. Yeah. You have to go in there and humanize her and talk to her in a certain way and gain her trust. And it's so hard to switch when you're a law enforcement officer in that aspect, in that mindset. And it takes a really special individual to be a human trafficking investigator. And they deserve all the training and all the support and the proper pay while they're yeah. doing it. You know, well, and I imagine that 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 whole process you just laid out there, the the humanizing process and connecting and really there's there's a level of there's a time commitment built to that, you know, because it's nobody, no human right in any varying stage of emotion or damage or whatever words you want to use to describe it. Nobody just flips the switch here. I'm like you said, broken and addicted to drugs and oh, well, you're a police officer. Great. Now I'm fixed. So, I mean, and, and uh, that's obvious, right? But <clears throat> the recovery process that gets them to the point where they may become a testifying witness, they may be that evidence, you know, to your comments that can help to put somebody away that can help to kind of manifest a, a meaningful change in that region or area or whatever have you, right? It's a long time commitment. Time equals dollars. And that's, I. It, it, so, I mean, with your work and what you've done, do you see that more law enforcement agencies, I mean, I, I guess just nationwide or even uh, globally are starting to pay closer attention to these things and making an effort to to build this in and, and, and work this in? There's been some agencies that I've seen that are definitely doing that. Um, I think that it takes a special kind of leader in within an agency who, you know, want to break down those silos between jurisdictions or even just between the law enforcement agency and the judicial system and bring them in on it. And like, hey, this is the work you're doing. It takes a special kind of leader. And I've seen that. Mm -hmm. And then they end up having to also be businessmen and figure out where they could get money out of the budget to pay for everything. Cause that's the biggest problem is they don't have the funding. And so they have to figure out how to connect to narcotics or, you know, homicide or missing persons, which are different entities than, you know, human right. trafficking into their workflow. And there are some, you know, really amazing officers out there and leaders that are doing that in their communities. Um, it's just going to take a little more investment for them when they come together for their, you know, big conferences to keep on pushing that idea and hopefully that it spreads further. Um, they're trying. There are people out there trying. I'm not 
they're, the agencies themselves, I wouldn't say, just wouldn't 100% blatantly ignore what's going on. Um, but, the, you know, they got to focus on what they can focus on. And I mean, right now, for most of them, that's just retention, to be honest. Right? That's a good point. Yeah. That's so a really condition they're all facing. And yeah. so, and, and so then it, in my mind, not that, not that I guess civilians can, can do as much as law enforcement for a couple of different reasons. But if we're talking about preventing human trafficking and, um, and, and, you know, you see again, talking about the movie, right. Sound of freedom. And I got in a fight with somebody on social media. Um, so I mean, cause the, well, and the things that people post, you know, um, the story is not 100% accurate or nothing is being done. Why do you need to go see this movie? Nothing's going to, nothing is being done. Nothing's going to be done. Literally, this was this lady's comments to me. Um, you know, this is a propaganda film. And I, I think my response was something on the lines of, okay, so because you don't know of any agencies, groups, nonprofits, whatever have you that are, that are doing things to, to fight this, then it must not be happening. Right. So we should just bury our heads in the sand and just ignore this this issue, arguably one of the largest criminal enterprises and most uh, horrific uh, human abuses. Right. That, that we we all suffer with uh, in today's day and age. It's 2023. Right. What can we do as as uh, civilians, you know, people outside law enforcement to to help combat the issue. I mean, short of, yeah, and we, we can all donate, right? We can all donate money and things like that, but what else can we do or, or, you know, what kind of efforts are there outside of the law enforcement space? Yeah. First of all, don't argue with people on social media. You know, it never goes. <laughs> yeah, and, well, actually I, I was able to shut her up. I, that, that did not warrant any uh, additional response when you kind of lay out, you know, hey, you're a trash yeah, human too. for saying do nothing. Um, so I just, I'll touch back on the movie. Yeah. She's right. It was, you know, it's it's a Hollywood movie. Right. And it brought to attention a small specific thing. If anything, it could have possibly done harm, especially to people who don't like yourself, explore further and learn further because it showed a side of trafficking that might have made people really comfortable with the fact it's not going to happen to them or their family. And so that's where there's like been a lot of strife um, yeah. with the movie in itself. But to be fair here, you're right. And that woman was being very myopic about what was going on. And people aren't doing anything. Well, what have you researched? What have you learned? What have you been able to do? And so what can people do besides giving money? First of all, they need to learn what human trafficking actually looks like. Going to Sounds of Freedom is not learning what human trafficking looks like. If it tickled your brain, good. Follow that and learn and, and more. Exactly. And I think that was the spirit of the effort. Yeah. Specifically within your community and within your reach. And you know, short of giving money to an organization that's doing good work, specifically figure out what's happening in your own communities and then figure out if you have kids or you have friends that have kids, make sure they're aware because they're the most vulnerable like you said, with the social media and that access of traffickers and people who want to exploit youth, they have that open door now. So learn to know what it looks like and recognize when youth might be in trouble, right? Yeah. And see where there might be a vulnerability there. And that there's somebody you might know, maybe you're a teacher, 
maybe you're a coach and you see a kid that has a void in their heart and they're not doing well, that makes them vulnerable. So how can you hold them up before they ever get scooped up by somebody who might be trying trying to exploit that vulnerability, right? So literally just being a good human being is the first step to combating human trafficking. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. And so being there for those in your community or dedicating your time to troubled youth, um, like becoming one of those big brothers out there, even something that simple because traffickers in themselves um, they're not all men, they're women too, but they're created because these people see a profit opportunity and they've lost their moral compass in their realm. And so even reaching out and taking care of troubled youth within the inner city is something that could help reduce the problem. Now, the next thing that I suggest that you know what trafficking looks like, you wouldn't educated yourself on that. You know what the signs are if somebody might be in trouble. Knowing the signs of what trafficking is looking like when it's happening is important too. But supporting those in your community that do fight human trafficking, that are not, you know, a nonprofit by giving them money. I'm talking your law enforcement agencies and then the laws that are enacted to where those law enforcement agencies go out and stop those from breaking them. Legislation. Who are you voting for? What legislation that's, are they that's making? So, that's what kills me. The people that want to get on social media and scream uh, around voting time about how they don't vote because their vote doesn't matter or, you know, whatever, however, justific- whatever, whatever bullshit justification people have for not voting because all politicians are inherently evil and immoral. And it's like, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But the downstream implications of not paying attention to these things this is a, a perfect example of why you cannot do that and just go I, with it. I can't explain how important it is to vote in your local elections. Yeah. The judges, retaining the judges, looking at their records, or city council members, you can make such a big impact. Sometimes those races are only like 1,000 people different. Like, mm-hmm. there's very small majority. And like even less than that, like three to 400 votes one way or another, there's a difference. And so when it comes to protecting those that can be exploited and fighting trafficking, if you have a politician that you're voting for that you can reach, you ask them about their platform on human trafficking. Now, either they will say they don't have one because they're clueless, then you should probably tell them they maybe need to get their butt in the gear and figure that out. Right. Or they're going to say, oh yeah, I support survivors. Okay, that's a very glossy, like, I that's support like a, survivors. Yeah. That's like I'm a, against. Like a, a pre-built yeah. uh, response, or what do you call it? Like a canned yeah. response. I, you know? Yeah, I, I'm <clears throat> against trafficking. Then you turn to them and go, and what is your plan to fight trafficking and be proactive about the problem when you get into office? And if they don't have something, and they can't talk intelligently on the laws in their jurisdiction... I mean, that's a problem because well, and it, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier with the sanctuary city thing. And I feel like with a lot of, let's be honest, a lot of Democrat politicians, they lean on, they prop themselves up on the sanctuary city bit. And the 
I believe that the spirit of it may be in the right places. I get it. Like, obviously I come from an immigrant family and we want people to, I have a, I have a mixed feeling on it. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I want people to come here and have those opportunities, but only if you're not, if you're going to come here and not be a piece of shit, like, you know, so I get it. You know, people are trying to come for a better life, but do you really understand the legislation? Have you really looked into it? Are there those protections built in that can actually make this worse instead of better? Are they just pandering? It's a thing. It's like, you've got to break down the laws. You got to read them. You can go online and pull all legislation that comes through your, you know, your ballots. You can read, you could understand, you can go to town halls, you can make a difference. And that's the thing is when, you know, a small amount of people start making a difference, a larger amount of people start making a difference. Let me give you an example. In California, a couple of weeks ago, it was State Bill 14. And state bill was putting up the human trafficking legislation in California to where it would make um, trafficking of a minor a you know egregious felony and part of the three strikes law. And I saw this. Who, who would be against that? Uh, right? Gavin Newsom would be against that. Actually, uh, you're going to be surprised. So, <laughs> so the it passed in the state senate like you know bipartisan and then it got to the committee for if the house was even going to look at it and there was like five democrats or something like that and three republicans and all five democrats voted no but somebody in the marketing world was able to get it out there loud enough that same day and it went national that the california state democrats were stopping from like stopping human trafficking legislation from going through. And I quote, the lead Democrat said that, oh, well, jail's not going to fix it. Putting traffickers in jail longer is not going to fix it. And it's like, it, excuse it, me? It's not yes, it hurt. will. And if they're <laughs> it's not in jail, hurt. they can't traffic more. Like there's, actu- there's actually studies. There's studies done by the FBI in certain colleges <laughs> where they interview child sex traffickers who... 75% of them are considered psychopaths and they can't be re- rehabilitated. So yes, putting them in prison longer is a good idea, but there was so much outrage over this. It went mm-hmm. national and people started calling people and social media went crazy. And the next day they're like, okay, we'll vote on it. And they sent it oh. up. Also Newsom, believe it or not, was all like, I'm a little disappointed that that didn't go through because there was no way he was going to get out of that one. So legislation was written really, really well. And yeah, not after be- all that. Yeah, that backlash and stuff. How does anybody come out of that and go, I vote against this, but I have a good reason, which I'll tell yeah. you later, I promise. And like, so yeah. it passed. And I don't know if Newsom signed it yet or not, but it did pass. And it's because it was a little bit of people who got a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And, you know, it was the people who were not okay with it. And then they started pointing fingers at their politicians and be like, Mm-mm, don't you do that. And so the people do have the power, whether it's when you're electing the officials or when they are already elected. If you can make enough noise and scare yeah. them and that they might not get reelected, then you can, you know, you can make change from that political level. And so the legislation, the judge retention, which I think nobody looks at, but when a judge is retained, you need to go look at their record and see what they've done. 
and make some yeah. noise about it. How they interpret just, things. Yeah. And they just keep getting retained over and over and over again, despite the fact, you know, like there's certain judges here in New Mexico who had this guy who got rolled up for um, buying a, a minor and he was a pediatrician. He was a doctor oh, and he ended up literally like walking away because the judge let him see that. And I, and that's the kind of judge who should, because the judge did have the power to put him away for a while and separate him from that problem. Yes, he lost his license and all of that, but he he like didn't even serve like any time. I don't believe, and so, so that so judge essentially a slap on the wrist. Should, yes, that judge yeah. specifically should never be in the chair again. He should never be able to hold a gavel. Like people need to be outraged about that. See, and that's pretty sure he got retained last election though, because people don't pay attention. That's the fight that I think we should be looking at is is that kind of I mean, do it within the confines of the system, you know, and because you see a lot of this stuff online and I don't I don't disagree with the notion, but you see people that just talk about how they're going to go shoot a pedophile. They're just going to go kill a pedophile. And I go, I get it. I understand. But let's be real. You're not going to walk out on the street and put a gun to anybody's head and, and blow them away like that's if you want and that's one person, right? If you really want effective, meaningful, long-term, impactful change on this, like that's the kind of stuff you need to do. Pay attention to legislation. Pay attention to, like you said, judge retention and how they interpret and how they, uh, I guess, decision, how they rule on on these things, and 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 understand that it can happen anywhere. You know, where I'm at in Southeast Michigan, we are incredibly close to the Canadian border, um, and I don't think. I think we kind of live in this world where we, again, we kind of bury the idea, but the Detroit River is like, it's about a two minute boat ride uh, and maybe a four minute car ride if you take the tunnel uh, to get to Canada. And once you're in international, a different country, things are completely different. And, it, you know, it, I just, I don't think people really acknowledge that this happens everywhere and that we all have a part to play in taking those steps to make it better, whether you're in, you know, rural Southern Illinois or, you know, Detroit or on the Southern border. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing too. I mean, small towns, like I'm, I've talked a lot about major metropolitan areas, inner city, you know, um, issues, but small towns, you'll see a large majority it, it's drug involved. Right. So you have, girls and teens and stuff that get rolled up into bad situations and they are in essence end up being sold for whatever it may be sex labor whatever it is because they're addicted to drugs and the traffickers are their drug dealers and so where there's a large meth problem i promise you human trafficking is happening and that's really? almost every small rural area in the country you see it nonstop. a case i I worked with law enforcement in the Southern United States. There was a murder. They found this woman's body in the middle of nowhere. Come to find out she'd complained to the local sheriff like six times that her drug dealer was threatening to kill her and that girls were being raped in closets in his trailer and all this other stuff. And these two men, they were running mess that was coming up from the Southern border into their small town. And then they had local girls that they would have, you know, drugged up and wanting to get their drugs. And then they would bring in people working from the oil fields 
and like you have to sleep with him if you want your drugs kind of thing yeah. and so it was like this system but this girl was really fiery right she did have a strong soul and she fought back and uh, she attacked one of the guys and then one of the other guys came up and they ended up murdering her but it broke apart this whole trafficking ring that these guys were working on so it was like holy moly but it was in the middle of nowhere like hardly any population but where there are drugs where there are men with disposable income there's sex trafficking mm -hmm. that takes place right and so you have that vulnerable girl that is addicted to drugs or whatever it may be who all she wants is her fix and then you have that you know, that trafficker who's like, oh, well, I can make even more money if I sell her in this way. And then she has to, she has to do it because she needs her fix. And so they use that as like a leash on them. You'll see that also in more populated areas when it's happening as well. Yeah. In the domestic sex trafficking industry. And it's happening to girls as young as 14. And I was gonna that's ask, what, you know, the, the movie yeah, touched so on young kids and yeah, so I'll I'll explain explain child sex trafficking to you here real quick, specifically within the United States. I'm not going to go through the overseas version of it. Um, my expertise is in the U.S. and how it's happening. What you're going to see in the U.S. in child sex trafficking is I usually split it into two. I split it from the age of zero up to about ten to twelve, and then the, like ten to twelve up to. Uh, 18 years of age and the lower half you're going to see there's trafficking of infants for yes. sex that's yeah and so my god the people that are trafficking them are their own family or somebody that's very close to them their own mothers um they will let the children be raped they will let the children be photographed for child sexual exploitive materials Usually it's because the mother or the family themselves are in a position where they are vulnerable, whether drugs might be involved. There's a study out there that 63% of the traffickers of minors are their own mothers. And so in the familial trafficking realm. So when you're talking 10 to 12 and younger, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at uh, an aunt and uncle or somebody that the child knows that they groom and that they, they sell for sex. And so that type of child sex trafficking, although it happens, it's less undetected and not as prominent. And so the statistics might not be as accurate on it. When it comes to child yeah. sex trafficking, the statistics that we do know, it's largely that teen age because the females themselves are more fully developed and they can actually be sold as adults. Um, I don't know what they put in our food here in the United States, but children keep developing younger and younger, right? right? And so these girls, so if they can be used in a sexual manner, they are being sold in a sexual manner. And when <clears throat> they can be sold as 19-year-old girls, it's easier for the trafficker to make money to put them on the front-facing internet and sell them. And so although there is a lot of them that are still being familial trafficked as teenagers, and it's, you know, the youth that are in the system and that they're runaways. It's the youth that have a broken home. It's the gender minorities. So now, especially the kids are massively confused about their own gender, genders, thanks to TikTok. Um, right. 
and that mental brainwashing, which we can go into a whole thing about China that's dumbing us down, mm-hmm. but it's making them so vulnerable and so easily manipulated because then they aren't comfortable in their own skin. And so it gives the trafficker the ability to come in and manipulate that and be their solace and comfort them and then break them down and groom them and then exploit them. And so, you know, they look on the internet and they see that open Instagram and they see that teen girl who keeps taking selfies in her crop top. And she's like, oh my gosh, I wish my abs were better or, oh my God, I need to get my retainer fixed or something like that. And they slide, slide in and it might take a month, three months, six months. They'll become their best friend. And it's a numbers game for them. They could sit there, hit up girls all over the country for hours and hours. And eventually a few of them are going to hook. And then they're going to be able to work on them. And then all of a sudden they convince them to get on the Greyhound bus and come out to Las Vegas to be in their music video. It never and happens and it. doesn't exist. And then it's... Yeah. And then they, the girls, are they feel so guilty that that was their own fault. They don't even recognize that they're being trafficked. And that's why it's so hard to, quote, save or rescue victims because they don't see themselves as victims. They've been manipulated in the domestic sex trafficking industry. That's very common because they're being told by their trafficker, you wanted this, you came here, you wanted a job, I took care of you. In the labor trafficking, it's like, you wanted to work and live this life, you wanted to make the money, you signed the contract. So human trafficking victims rarely ever self-identify. So it's it's next to impossible for them to be rescued. And that's the thing is they don't get rescued. They end up escaping because rescue implies a knight in shining armor to come in and scoop them up, just like the movie that you saw, right? Right, right. That rarely ever happens. What they see, they end up being offered an opportunity for a better life to get away from what they are. And they have to reach down inside themselves and rescue themselves, talk to any human trafficking victim. And I've worked with dozens. They they had opportunities. There were law enforcement that were trained and maybe offered them that hand. Or maybe there was an actual sex worker who worked out at the strip club who was like, girl, you're in a bad spot. Let me help you. There's opportunity. And when they're presented that opportunity, they have to be willing to escape that. But right now, only 1% worldwide of human trafficking victims ever escape their situation. Well, and this is this, I mean, just hearing all of that and I'm, I'm not a parent uh, yet. I I don't know if I ever will be honestly, (laughs) Um, but I, I I do. uh, I teach high school marching band, you know, I, so I deal with young high school age kids uh, as, as seventh or eighth grade up through, you know, seniors in high school. And I've even just in the last, uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. I graduated in 07 and that's when I started teaching. Uh, so I've seen the younger and younger kids start. They, they make a strong effort to look older and older and older. And it's, it's an ongoing issue. You need, we, we struggle every year to talk about dress code enforcement. And it's funny because well, it's not funny, but um, I'm in two weeks, you're going to teach band camp. So go away to camp. And of course that you, you Every year you have to have the conversation. Hey, uh, those shorts are too short. Uh, you are showing too much. And 
you know, and on one hand, I get it because it's hot out and you want to be comfortable and I, I get it. But at the same time, this is where parents need to pay attention to what their kids are are doing and wearing. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I was young, you know, we were all young at one point. I get it, you know, restricting social media access, but damn it, they're there are fucking reasons for that. Like this is abhorrent. This is awful. Uh, You know, and and And, I can, I can imagine all of it happening. Everything you just said, you know, we've all seen it in one way, shape or form on a TV show or a movie, even down to the part where there was the, I don't, I'm assuming slightly older stripper that helped the young girl, you know, find her way out of that situation. And it sounds like something that would never happen, but I guess the source idea had to come from somewhere. I mean, so I mean, I'm, just, I'm telling you a true story that right there. The book is called Out of the Shadows by Tamea Nagy. She's a, a good friend of mine. That is her story. That's mm-hmm. how she was rescued because she got out of her situation because there was a stripper at the strip club. She was trafficked from Hungary to Canada, thought she was going to babysit. She shows up, doesn't speak the language, she comes in on a visa. And the visa, she didn't, she couldn't read English. And the visa said that she was going to be a stripper and she gets there and they, they, you know, they, they took her and they shoved her in a hotel and then they made her work 18 hours a day. Right. So oh. it's a true story. This happens all the time. You know, it's, it's not about imagining anything I'm mentioning to you. It's because it's a case I've worked on and it, I've seen mm-hmm. it. And, you know, people don't see the realities of trafficking in the large Part of it is because people very much want to live in their own comfortable bubble. They want to stay right. blind to what's really going on because they would rather think that their their child can't be trafficked because they're not from a foreign country and you know things happen right, there's that always way. A justification why it could never happen to you, like you, like we were saying earlier, right? Yeah. Well, well, we live in a good neighborhood, or we live in a small town, or like we, yeah. you know, we're filling the blank. always a justification. And they would very much rather believe a very comfortable lie instead of an uncomfortable truth, which is while you're worried and you're being a keyboard warrior, whatever it may be going, nothing's really happening. That doesn't happen here and all of that. Your teen daughter is being hit up by a pimp in her Instagram messages. And she's gonna walk out the door in three months and you're never gonna see her again. And all law enforcement can legally do is like, oh, well, she's 16. She's an endangered runaway. She left willingly. There's no Amber Alert. There's no Calvary to go save her because she walked out of the house willingly and she is now a runaway. 96% of missing children in the United States, according to the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children and the FBI, 96% 96% of them are considered endangered runaways and they walk out. Out of all these children that go missing every year, one in six of them are going to be trafficked and they're going to be approached by a trafficker within the first 48 hours that they step outside of that their house. And so are we is this are we getting is this getting better? You know, I mean cuz it it, it it sounds like you know the awareness so, is, is growing, but at the same time, it almost sounds like things are getting worse just because we're almost so MSA, feels, as a country, we're like fighting against ourselves you uh, know, and not realizing it. It feels like it's getting worse because we're massively connected and we're hyperly aware of things because of yeah. social media and the constant talk about it. 
is it getting worse or is it, are we just seeing it more in focus is the question. Yeah. And there's a, there's a detective out of Texas who is a great human trafficking detective. I got to train her once and I can't mention her by name, but you know, people were bugging her about sounds of freedom on her social media. And I follow her personally. And that was her answer. She's like, is it really getting worse or are we just starting to notice? And so yeah. with that being said, statistics that I'm providing you are the federal statistics. If you look them up through National Center Missing Exploited Children and FBI and all of that, you got to think of it this way too. I told you the majority of trafficking being sought by law enforcement is at the ground level by state and local. Mm-hmm. Where's the problem there? Nobody takes statistics in the same manner. So we don't have hardly any of the statistics from the state and local levels and the tracking is taking place and probably the large majority of the trafficking cases that we see and the contacts that we see. We don't have an overbearing agency that makes sure that this is done properly. And so it's just, you know, a constant mess of trying to figure out what's the best way to fight it and how when there's these silos and it's, it's crazy. And that's why I said before, I'm like, it's going to take a 360 degree approach. It's going to take everybody. It's going to take collaboration and communication and understanding and pressure from the public to do something. So from Sounds of Freedom, which I'm not the biggest fan because I'm very passionate about how I think awareness should come. Sure. I do have to go, okay, good. It opens some of your eyes, but please stop. Please stop. And broaden your horizons on what human trafficking is. Somewhere you can go to learn more is polarisproject.org. They have the best education and information on trafficking, not just from here in the United States, but also from a global aspect. I mean, they've got hundreds and hundreds of PDF documents where you could teach yourself about everything and statistics and other things like that. So going and reading that information, it will it can bring you up to speed, right? Go to your own lo- local law enforcement agency. And when I know there's coffee with a cop, right? In local towns, sometimes you can go mm-hmm. meet the cops, ask them, hey, I want to know more about human trafficking in the area. And if they go, oh, it doesn't happen here, be like, you need training. <laughs> Say that. That's a, that's a pretty <laughs> shitty answer from any cop. Say, crime doesn't happen here. <laughs> like, but. Figure out, hey, what's going on? What do you see? Ask about, hey, do you have a domestic abuse organization you work with or a human trafficking survivor organization? Go see what they're seeing because a lot of times they'll be doing victim outreach apart from working with law enforcement. There's certain agencies that go out there and hand out certain things to possible victims to where they might have just that little bit of hope of, hey, you could call this number for help or, hey, here's some resources. In different things and so in your local area if you find the local nonprofit that's doing victim outreach they might have a better handle in seeing what mm-hmm. might be going on too and seeing what's more prevalent in the area and so you know learning what's going on in your area what it looks like learning in general what trafficking can look like you can make such a huge difference and i'm not gonna lie it's gonna depress you <laughs> This learning, the more you learn, the more it hurts, but you've got to take that and you've got to figure out how you can be constructive with it. Even if it's just gathering your friends for like 
you know, a Friday night barbecue or some, you know, wine and then talking about what you've learned and how you might be able to support a nonprofit or how you might be able to go talk to your local government and see what they can do to educate the kids going to the local school district. Are they having assemblies in middle school and high school and talking about the dangers of social media and the people that might be reaching out to them through that social media? Do they have a program in place? Maybe you guys can do the research and put the program in the place, right? There's so many different ways that you can affect it. I mean, it's 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 a huge, a huge problem with many different avenues where people could come in and help, but it can't just be one. It can't be rescue. That's not the only answer. There has to be awareness. There has to be, you know, just we're looking at homelessness. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's a vulnerability. Looking at all the different aspects, teen drug use, right? That's a huge all issue those different right things. Yeah. yeah. No, and 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 like you said, you know, uh the movie, at least for me, was a jumping off point. It was something that I experienced that. I went through that and <clears throat> um I don't want to say I enjoyed the film. I thought it was well done from a film standpoint, but my first thought was not, you know, oh well, I'm so glad there's people out there taking care of this. It was this doesn't seem like it's better. This seems like I've really missed the mark on understanding what's going on and where do I go to find out more? You know, like where, what, what resources are out there? Who can I talk to? Uh, obviously hosting a podcast, my first thought, like literally in the car, cause I didn't drive. My wife drove to, to the movie. Um, I'll be honest. I took like five, 10 minutes. I cried a bunch. I thought it was absolutely awful. It, it hit me in places that stuff usually doesn't hit me <laughs> and immediately got on Instagram and I'm start looking like, okay, who like accounts trying to find people that are involved. And the tough part is with people who are super high connected, you know, it's, they don't look at messages and it, you can't, you know what I mean? You can't get them to, to talk about it. You know, there was no way somebody like me was going to get through to uh, Tim Ballard, you know, or uh, there's somebody, Matt, something I think from another foundation that he just, I think recently left, but you know what I mean? So trying to find people out there who can like yourself, right. That have the knowledge that have the information and can explain it and help educate and be a resource, you know, for like you talked about, you know, where do I go to find somebody who does, who speaks at school engagements or who can, you know, I talked to my local police chief. Well, we need help, but you know, I do know somebody, well, you know, Hey, yeah, here, here's, this is how you connect people. And like we mentioned earlier, right? Soon that small voice turns into a larger voice, turns into something that's actually what we didn't think it could be, which was impactful and and important in the overall effort. Um, and yeah, it's it, hard. It's, it's going to take the time. Topic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it takes time. It takes influence. It takes understanding. And, you know, the first part about that is, you know, finding out where you can personally help like you did yourself. You reached out to me and I do run my own social media. So <laughs> I'm able to see those things. And I'm I'm really thankful that you were able to bring me on. No, I, I, I'm intensely grateful uh, that you're able to share all this. If people want to get in touch with you for any of the consulting that you offer or, or even just more information. I know you have a bunch of things that you share on your Instagram. Where can people find you online so we can kind of direct them your way? Yeah. So um, on Instagram, um, at Kara 
underscore the underscore Huntress. I do a lot of education and just straight out information there. Um, KaraSmithConsulting.com if you want to reach me there as well. Um, and you can get to me through email and all the other ways there. Uh, and, you know, I my my goal now after leaving the nonprofit I was with is to be able to disseminate my knowledge and my understanding as as wide as possible because everybody needs to work together. And so what I'm trying to do is share that information and do everything I can within my power to 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 make a difference. Yeah. And, and I wish there were more people like, and, and there may be, I don't know. And that's, that's part of the problem too, right? Is this, it just feels like the visibility isn't there. Um, so, I mean, for anyone listening, I highly encourage you guys to reach out. Uh, if you think you have an opportunity where care can be impactful and helpful in your community, uh, you know, check out the website. There's a ton of information there. Um, but Kara, thank you so much. Uh, I've, again, I, I struggle to use the word enjoyed the discussion, but I, did enjoy your insight and uh and hopefully people listening right are impacted by this and and what was uh, polaris project right um yeah that's so um i'll tell you if you're not able to find anything within your local community uh polaris project is amazing with information they also run the human trafficking hotline nationwide um national center for missing and exploited children um they do the cyber tip line for um anything that might happen to a minor online from an exploitative exploitative purpose um which we didn't even get into whole that whole side of this that's another yeah. whole whole piece we could go on for like six hours um also thorn which they also do a lot with protecting kids um and you know just they want kids to be kids and so mm-hmm. those those um, are places you can look. And then um, the Anti-Trafficking Intelligence Initiative, um, they are also doing some pretty good work and I've been advising for them for the last month or two. They have the, uh, let's just say, the analytical power prowess on the dark web and through finances and through cryptocurrency like I've never seen before. And so wow. that's another approach to fight the problem. But uh, those are those are definitely four that I would look into if you're not able to find anything within your local community first. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again, Kara, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Uh, and and please, uh, you know, stay safe out there. And I uh, look forward to being able to connect in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, I can honestly say, you guys, that was probably one of the more. I guess the word I'll use is difficult uh, conversations that I've I've had since I started this podcast, if not the most difficult. Um, I know we talk uh, with other guests and, and other discussions about the the implications of preparedness and shooting and training and ultimately, you know, the things we're training for and and death is awful and death can be ugly and the things that can come from all of that can you know, be, be awful and be terrible. Right. Uh, but when you put a lot of what we just talked about in perspective, uh, it just, it, it hits you a bit differently. Um, you know, and being able to have somebody like Kara on to share her information and share her knowledge and the, you know, the talk about the work that she's done. Uh, I consider myself extremely fortunate. I'm, really happy to have been able to bring that to you all. Uh, and I, 
I urge everybody listening. I really do. I urge you to look up Kara, you know, find her Kara underscore the underscore Huntress on Instagram and follow her on her platforms. Look up, you know, uh, that Polaris project that she had mentioned and become informed guys. The biggest thing that we can do. Yeah. I mean, yes, you can throw money at any cause. You can, you can donate, you can put up stupid fucking banners, uh, on your, your social media picture, you know, just like we do the stupid Ukrainian flag on Facebook and, uh, the hashtag I got vaccinated, whatever, all that crap, but you, you can do all of those things. And at the end of the day, those truly are meaningless efforts. Like, yeah, it's solidarity, but that's as far as it goes. There are, and we talked about them, you know, there are things that we can all do together as a community, as a society to make this better, to address this problem, this issue. And I urge everybody to become better informed. You know, I, I've spoken before on the pod about the HTA, uh, range day event in September. We got a handful of guys going from Michigan Hopefully there's even more from the Michigan or Northern Ohio area. Um, and I hope that it sells out completely with the openings they have available in the, the different courses and everything. But that's it's literally human trafficking awareness range day. And, you know, just attending events like that, giving your money to a cause like that is a first step. You know, what you can do in your own community. I know a lot of people get a lot of fucking heartburn about talking to the cops and talking to politicians. And they want to talk about how they're not doing anything to make the community better and all this other bullshit. And the reality is that's very short-sighted. That's a very narrow scope of what amounts to a lot larger issues. Probably one of the largest being human trafficking. We just talked about how it ties into all of the other issues that we talk about, right? Drugs, prostitution, uh, you know, child abuse, all the things that we, I, I would think, pretty unanimously acknowledge as being uh, horrendous shit in a civilized society, they all tie back in some way, shape or form to human trafficking. Now I'm not saying that fixing human trafficking is going to completely fix all of the drug problems or all of, you know, those associated issues. However, I will say that, you know, obviously up to this point, treating the symptoms hasn't really gotten us where we think we would like to be. And you know, guys will go off on tangents and talk about, oh, the war on drugs didn't do anything, it just made things worse. Well, maybe because the effort was misdirected, the issues were misdirected. Human trafficking, um, and to some extent, if you talk about, like, we got into that debt bondage, it's essentially slavery and indentured servitude. Those are not new concepts, folks. They've been around for a long-ass time, a really long time, and we choose not to acknowledge them because they don't deal with the... I'll just be frank with it. A lot of times it is not the appropriate skin color. So it's not PC to say slavery because it would upset people and it would ruffle feathers. Well, um, I mean, sorry to say it, sorry to upset you, ruin your night, ruin your day, whatever, but it is what it is. And, you know, for all of the bitching and moaning that goes on about the slavery that happens hundreds, that happened hundreds of years ago. And yeah, that shit's wrong. It's still going on. It's just not as in your face as it used to be. So if you're dedicated to that cause, then you're dedicated to this cause. And it's something we all need to address and we need to think about and we need to be aware of. Donate your time. Volunteer in your community. Find 
you know, I've already found at least one program local to me that helps with recovering victims, survivors, right, of human trafficking. And that's, that's a start. I have a buddy who goes and he donates his Fridays. He works four tens and then donates his Friday, gets pays for the childcare. He eats that cost. You know, he could save himself some money and not drop his kid on childcare on Fridays and just sit home with him. But he instead donates his time to go work with that organization. There are opportunities all around us to be impactful in our communities to make this problem go away. It's not to say that it's going to be done in a couple weeks, not even a couple months, and probably not even a couple years, right? But unless we all own this issue, it never gets any better, you know? And like Kara pointed out, you don't you don't have to be working in law enforcement. You don't have to be donating to one of these, you know, uh, you know, NGOs or uh, nonprofits or whatever. You, you can be impactful just by being a coach, being a big brother, big sister. You know, uh, it, it's it's a tremendously rewarding experience of its own, but it also helps combat these things. And I can tell you guys, I've. I've, I've seen in the 15 years that I have been teaching music since I graduated high school, because that was a passion and teaching is still a passion of mine, come across a lot of different high school kids with a lot of different issues at home, male and female, all different races. And, you know, you can be the difference maker. I've had those conversations with some kids. I know some kids come from a really, really, really bad home life where they either just don't have a lot or they're abused and there's only so much you can do about it. But you can be the stability in that kid's life that can make some lasting impacts and have some huge downstream implications on their life. And they may not realize it and you may not realize it, but it could be a thing. All right. So I just, just urge everybody to think more about this get better educated, dive into it, talk to your local law enforcement. It has me rethinking things. Yeah, there's a local coffee shop I go to, and almost every time I go in there, 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning to grab coffee for me or me and my wife, there's usually at least one cop in there getting coffee, if not two, that are doing their morning briefing or debriefing. Go talk to them. Hey, what, what what can I do to help? Where can I find out more information? create a dialogue. Hell, you may even create a relationship with your local law enforcement and actually be able to become better informed about the problems plaguing your community. So I hope you guys, uh, you know, I hope you guys learn from this. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine that you didn't. There's just, there's some really just, just terrible shit that goes on. And this is, again, this, we focused almost entirely this discussion on the continental U.S. That's to say nothing of what happens internationally. And yeah, one issue at a time, but I know I look at the data, I look at the statistics. I know that some of you guys listening are not living in the United States. I know that you live in other countries around the world and I thank you for listening, but this is not a uniquely American problem. This is something that we all have to address and all have to work to help end. So I hope you guys learned uh, some things. I hope you enjoyed the discussion and I hope it sparked something in you to be a part of the resolution of this issue. Um, I certainly feel even more strongly now than I did before about the, the problem and will be doing what I can on my end to bring more knowledge to, to light, to 
to be more aware of what's going on to do more and to to do better so thank you guys all uh truly i appreciate you all hanging out and and listening um you know, again, thank you to all of our, our Patreon patrons. Your support is what makes stuff like this possible. Um, trips out to, you know, the HTA range day that's going to, you know, all those those funds are going straight to this cause. That's, you know, if you're a Patreon patron, that's in no small part, you're donating to that effort. And that's, that's a big thing. And we appreciate the hell out of that. And it makes me happy that that's what we get to do with, with that effort. Um, but you know, uh, we got, we have more stuff coming up down, down the line here. You guys, uh, again, reach out to Kara, check out what she's got going on. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what else do you say? Really? Uh, I'm at a loss for words, which is kind of rare for me, but I, what else do you say with something like this? Something so somber and serious and heavy. Um, other than just thank you and God bless. And if you're a parent, kiss your kids, take care of them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say, but uh, I enjoyed that conversation um, in a different way than I've enjoyed any other conversation, and I I do look forward to speaking more with Kara and learning more from her. So uh, that's all for this week, everybody. Um, and you know, with that, honestly, I'll just I'll just wrap it here. You know, uh, like we always say, right? Work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. 